This is the UEFA Women's Euro 2022 Hot Takes. I'm Kelly Summers and on today's episode, we're sharing a meal with women who are leading the charge in female football communities. For starters, we have Trisha Lewis, founder and player of Romance FC and Amy Drucker, founder of This Fan Girl. Welcome along. First, before we get in to the conversation, every good football chat needs good food, right? Good news. Look what I've got. That, Russell, is me getting out a Just Eat takeaway bag. Let's see what you've both gone for. Now, we should do a disclaimer here, shouldn't we? It's early morning, so we've gone for a breakfast order. Trisha, firstly, yours is very healthy. Yeah, just trying to look after the mind and body. (laughs) So there's a green juice there, some melons and some berries. What have you gone for, Amy? I've gone for some mango and one of those little prep pots. Hold on a sec, you're both so healthy. Who has got the pastry here? That's for you, mate. Uh, Yeah, that's a little little sort of brunch, brunch snack for the way back to the office. Not as healthy as we first thought. Okay then, girls, while you tuck in to your breakfast, Amy, tell me, would this be your usual snack or meal of choice during watching football? During watching football, potentially not. This is a lot healthier than I'd usually do for football. Football, it's almost always pizza or a burger. You need something that's like easy to grab onto with two hands. My usual like everyday takeaway is a curry, but curry and football do not mix. Like there's a lot of like flipping and things falling (laughs) on floors and you don't need any of that. It's all about practicality, isn't it, when watching? Just in case there's a worldy goal or something scored... You don't, you don't want any of the mess that comes with a curry. What about you, Trisha? If you're settling down to watch a game in front of the TV, maybe at the Euros this summer, what would you pick? I do like a lamb sheesh. Nice. Yeah, because they're easy. You can just take off the paper layer by layer. Yeah, they're just easy to hold on to and you can just munch. And then even if you are jumping up at the celebration, you've still got it in one hand. It's all good. <laughs> you can just dip back into it. So, yeah. Well, you both play football. I've just got to say as well there, we've already lost a bit of the mango. You wouldn't be a very good goalkeeper, Amy, because you did not save that well as it no, fell to the floor. I'm, I'm terrible in goal, to be fair. But yeah, I do play football. I've just started, well, been playing for just over a year. So set up a team called Vicky Park Queens, which is based up in Leicester, which is where I live, where I'm from. So started as a complete beginner. I think I played football like five times in my life with a few like terrible experiences along the way. Um, and just wanted to, you know, after COVID especially, just get out of my house, get out of my house. And ultimately, actually, the most important thing for me was actually making new friends. So set up a team. Um, Yeah, it's something I do every Tuesday now. It's a massive part of my my weekly calendar. Trisha as well, you, founder, as I said, and player for Romance FC. What are your kind of pre-match or post-match food rituals? Well, I'll I'll start with pre-match. I'm a goalkeeper as well, so... We needed you for the mango then. (laughs) (laughs) It tends to be just like, you know, I have a digestive biscuit and a banana to start. And then, because we we train early on a Sunday morning, so the whole team will go to a Turkish restaurant and we just sort of like have a feast. And usually at that time, it's about 12 o'clock. So I'm like lentil soup, a little goslame. Very nice, Nice. very clean. Everyone can find something there. It's really nice if you want to be a little bit naughty or a little bit healthy, like Turkish is just always great for it. 
I'm definitely the unhealthiest person in this room because, you know, I associate with football donuts because whenever I've gone to football at half time, all of the, the community that sits around us, when it's your birthday, you bring donuts and it's always someone's birthday. So you're always having a donut at half time. That's so sweet. Again, I don't play. I just talk about football. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about both of you because we've said that you play football, but you're both really influential in your roles outside of playing as well. Amy, you're founder of this fangirl. What does that role entail and how did this fangirl come about? So this Van Gogh was started in 2016 and I always like link it back to my love of my home team, which is Leicester. And it was, for a lot of people will recognise that year as the year that Leicester won the Premier League. And it was a time that I was just obsessed with football, obviously wanting to follow every single thing, every single news report. But I uh, noticed that there, were, there wasn't really like a visual sort of describing or like showcasing what Leicester fans were. So I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to take some photos of like Leicester fans. So I went down to King Power a couple of times and just took photos of um, like any fan not just female fans at that point and loved it me and my friend Laura who set up this fan girl we were talking over the summer and it was the Euros at the time the men's Euros and we were talking about the way that like female fans were represented and it was always super highly sexualized short skirts tight tops and it was just interesting to us that that was the only representation that we saw at the time so Laura was like why don't we like do what you've done for taking photos of Leicester fans and do it for like female fans so we decided to spend a year going to every Premier League club in the league at the time and take photos of the fans of every single club so did that over the year and sort of that culminated in a end of season exhibition and we thought that was going to be the end of it. We were like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's, that's done really. But realised like over the year, so many people were like messaging us and sort of saying that they identified with the photos that we'd taken, whether it was like their mum and that they'd be taking a photo of her up at the Middlesbrough game or, you know, that woman that like me and my auntie when we go to football. So yeah, this fangle, the next sort of stage of it was sort of setting up a community element of it. And what that meant for us was hosting these meetups very very simple basically go to the pub watch football together as women like <laughs> perfect yeah literally it was it was very 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 like low-key to begin with and yeah it's just sort of it, it's basically transformed into its own thing yeah i was going to say you guys often flood my social media in the best possible way love it we're always seeing your stuff out there which is brilliant trish let's talk a little bit more about romance fc how did this start and how did your role within it come about well it's it started in 2012 so yeah this is our 10-year anniversary yeah initially just uh we were under the name boiler room ladies because quite a few of us were friends with the the guys that started boiler room and we used to go to the early raves and the guys had a men's team formed um and asked us you know would you be up for forming a women's team we were like yeah why not so yeah about 15 of us turned up at uh the first training session um and it was in London Fields, which is it's not a sports park at all. So you could imagine, um, yeah, everyone getting pretty uh, peed off by getting a ball chucked over the boxed wines um, while we were just scrambling around trying to figure out what exactly we were doing. And then the more that we started to get to know each other, we realised that a lot of us worked in and around the creative industry. So that was a real like turning point for us in terms of what we could do with the space and what we could do with each other's expertise and sort of sharing ideas and from then it's kind of like it's just blossomed into so much more and the word romance is that to do with love of the game or is there more to it that's what I think of when I saw <laughs> that name I thought I'm a football romantic I consider myself as is that where it comes from well it was a really really interesting process um we went to Paris to play in the international tournament and 
who said to the team, it's like, right, we're going to do a name change. So... And so we look back at it Tell and think us, like... what names? Um, there was Bam. There was like Bam, as in been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Bam FC. Um, and then, yeah, one of the players was like, yeah, what about um, Team Romance? And we were like, yeah, I like it. But how about we just drop the team and we just keep Romance? Because we were thinking about, you know, what makes a strong name? And it's not so much about sort of tying it to any sort of meaning. Like when you think about like Supreme or Palace or Acne, you know, there's like these singular names that are just like stand strong on their own. So yeah, Romance FC, it kind of encapsulates how we feel about each other, our relationship, how we've grown over the years and sort of how we all fell in love with the game. So, and it's genderless as well. And it's, yeah. And it looks great on a shirt. I tell you what, let's bring in someone else into the conversation now then, shall we? Let's bring in Niccolo from Calcetto El Ganza into the chat. Niccolo, firstly, I'm so sorry you're not here to share the food with us. But tell us a little bit about Calcetto El Ganza. Uh, hello, guys. I'm uh, super excited and thank you for the call. Uh, it's always exciting to speak about a community we built back in 2014. Something that we started, you know, watching... Uh, what was happening in uh, grassroots football in the UK mainly and in Paris. So basically we wanted to do the same thing in Milan, which didn't exist at that time, uh, even if, you know, Milan and Inter were big inspiration. And there is where, you know, Calcetto Leganza um, begins. That adventure brought us until uh, 2019, a big community where we also included women's and we didn't even distinguish the two really. So uh, that was really big uh, in terms of exposure um, as new. Uh, as we kick it off in 2019 with the uh, with the World Cup, which was probably you know the pinnacle moment for women's football at least uh, you know on media and uh, uh, in terms of awareness. So it was a big moment for us to re you know start uh, and reshape a little bit our ambition towards a more inclusive uh, you know um, and uh, an elevated purpose. For us, it's really, you know, about empowering people and the talents of people in uh, and out football pitch. So all the people that work with us basically bring their expertise, their talent, their skills, and we try to elevate, you know, working with the different medias and partners, putting them at the service, uh, always through football. And so building from there, basically, there is no boundary. Trisha, as we're talking to him then, I was thinking there's so many exciting things that Niccolo's saying there in terms of the integration and there's no difference between the men's and the women's game. Movements like this are so important, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think the beautiful thing about football is that everyone speaks football, regardless whether you're playing, whether you're supporting. It's this great sort of catalyst that everyone can get involved in. And it breeds community and it's a great thing to bring people together from all walks of life. Niccolo, tell us, we're all really excited about the Euros, which are, of course, taking place here in the UK. But we're speaking to so many different people from across Europe. How much excitement is there for the competition in Italy? Uh, you know, we're not that excited for, uh, in this case, the men's team. Uh, so out of the World Cup. So Euro is basically all that we have, you know, to celebrate now. So the excitement is so high and we have so, like, a lot of talented players. Uh, to be completely honest, I'm not sure we're going to, you know, make it to the final. But, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can still compete, you know, and have fun through the process. Niccolo, before we leave you, we've got to ask you, 
What do you think is going to happen at the Euros? It's, uh, I don't think, as I said, that Italy is going to win, but that's definitely not a big issue. I mean, I hope, but, uh, you know, competing is uh, the most important. Well, Nicolo, thank you so much for coming on. Keep doing the brilliant work you guys are doing out there in Italy. And hopefully we'll speak to you again very soon. Thank you again. Cheers. So you've been going for 10 years. This fangirl's been going for six years, since 2016. Um, how have you noticed female fanship grow and change during that time? You've said it yourself in that you didn't expect it to keep going for this long. So that suggests it's on an upward trajectory. Yeah, definitely. I think it has. I think we've seen so much change since we started. But I think one thing that's really stood out for me is the growth in the support for the women's game actually that's been the really fundamental bit of change that I've seen because there's always been women that have gone to games like my gran used to go to Huddersfield Town mm. FC and watch those games at the 50s and 60s my mum used to go to Norwich FC and watch those games there's a bit of a misconception around it isn't it like I always sure. went to football with my mum my mum went with my nana before that yeah it seems to be like recently women have liked football no no no. it's just it's maybe not been magnified as much as it is now i think that's exactly it but i think there was a bit of sort of being left out of any sort of communication so you didn't really necessarily see any media campaigns with female fans in you didn't necessarily see many female broadcasters at games sort of talking about what we've just seen on the pitch yeah as i said i think the thing that sort of surprised me so much is the way that women are really, really like supporting the, the, you know, the women's game. And I think that's been amazing to see because I think anyone that's in our community is sort of, especially in the last couple of years, I think it's just realised like how, like how much joy the women's game can bring. It's just like it opens you up to a whole new world of football. Other than that, I think it's also just, it's a confidence thing, I think. And, and that, that happens through representation. And that's, you know, by no means has this fangled done all of that at all. But like, I think just seeing more women in media makes you realize that you can be there and you feel like you're you, you know you've potentially got other people to go along with you've got other people to chat to about the game gives you that confidence to sort of put yourself forward in you know in football yeah it's that phrase isn't it that people say about needing to see it to know you can be it 100% that's so fundamental and yeah as you say it gets said a lot but it is so important and also now you can also go and watch the women play as well. Totally. Football can literally take over your life. And yeah. that's done that for me. In terms of Romance FC and the way it's taken off, it's clearly grown year on year. But have you noticed these changes in terms of the following that you guys have got? Oh, yeah, definitely. Even in terms of sort of like the, the attitude towards women's grassroots football, um, it wasn't as easy as with the men's game. It's just like, you know... You start a new job, you join the office team, you play Sunday league football. You had all of these pockets of five-a-side leagues that were available, but there weren't really any for non-professional, just chilled five-a-side for women. So fast forward 10 years and it's incredible. I mean, like just over lockdown, there were, you know, 50 odd just that came out of London. So yeah, it's, it's great to see that there's so many teams sort of taking up the space that wasn't accessible to us. I mean, this is still a huge problem with pitch availability, but that's another thing that I could just go <laughs> on into. But yeah, it's grown It's grown so much. And also, you know, the powers of social media, of like you being able to get yourself out there and somebody from the other side of the world is like rooting for you. It's great. It's, it's so mm. nice. And for me personally, it's little things like my nephews looking at me like, 
I'm their role model, you yeah. know, or like, you know, giving me the accolades. Yeah, my godson like, thinks I'm cool because yeah, I work yeah. in football. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so nice. Um, and sort of, yeah, and that's what we just want to, what, what we want to see. These young boys looking up to women and girls and, you know, I, looking at them as idols, mm. wearing their names on the backs of their shirts. And sort of, I, I think that sort of breeds into a whole other realm of you know how society can change and how young boys start seeing women and then sort of getting a more equal future generation before we talk a little bit more about the impacts the euros can have i should apologize i would be the worst host if you came over for a takeaway i didn't give you any spoons (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking you've eaten your fruit but you've not eaten your other stuff let me get you your spoons very quickly eating oats with my fingers (laughs) there we go i think i also gave you the wrong one but never mind um let's talk a little bit about the Euros this summer then because it's been a big part of the campaigns that we've seen inspiring the future generations there's not a pressure but a responsibility of the women's game now and tournaments and the players that are involved to inspire the next generation and get youngsters involved how do you think it will help have you noticed an excitement for it and what what could this Euros do? I think this Euros this summer I think is just going to be un believably powerful for that number one because it's obviously in England and there'll be so many different access points that people can go to and all over the country not just in London as well how are you guys using this tournament to kind of help promote romance FC or get involved with it Trisha I mean for us um I think you know a lot of a lot of the team just wants to be able to enjoy it because for the past you know six seven years we have been hosting screenings we have been like making these spaces to watch the games you know at a time when the problem was for so long that nobody kind of believed or thought it was important enough to like put on a screen over male sports so but what I'm really excited for is like all the cities outside of London getting that same excitement you know all these young girls being able to like see women's football like the vibrancy of it as well and it just kind of be this great thing bringing families together after two years of being disconnected, not being able to go to bigger events, um, some people still not even being able to go on holiday and things. And it's like, yeah, treat it as, you know, this fun day out with the family and sort of, yeah, fall in love with the game again, you know, for the first ever time, get involved in it, get excited about. It's not just over here. We're privy to seeing how much the women's game has grown in the UK, but we've seen this year, haven't we, Amy, how much it's grown throughout Europe. Everyone was talking about the Women's Champions League final this year. We were talking about it. You were lucky enough to be there. Indeed. It was very, very special and I'm really very thankful for, you know, having the opportunity to go over there. By no means is this just taking off in England. Spain especially are massively leading the charge. So obviously Barcelona sold out Camp Now twice for their, I think it was for their quarterfinal and their semifinal, like 91,000 fans in the stadium to watch those games, which is unbelievable but I think just really highlights how much appetite there is for it if you put it in these big stadiums people can come if you really really push it if you get your men's team to support it in a really you know really optimistic way and it's the same for the final like it was just really breathtaking just to to have a little look around and just see that this was sort of where women's football had come in such a short space of time it was pretty like goosebump tingling I was gonna say did it feel like a moment in time because I had goosebumps yeah 
seeing the imagery from it what what was the atmosphere like there it was wild and I think like no discredit to Leon fans but Barcelona fans good lord like they make themselves heard they're they're so amazing and so like uh, passionate about the team like absolutely adore their women's team Um, so just sort of look around and just people see people waving these banners and my friend who I was with in my ear she was just like your daughter's going to grow up and this is going to be the norm and I was just like (gasps) I was like you can't say that to me right now like it was really like it was super super amazing emotional just to see as I said like just to see how far it'd come and just you got like a little bit of a sense of like what the future could be the line you just said there about your daughter that is that's what it's not all about because we have to look at the here and now but that's so much what it's about isn't it we've kind of got this responsibility and I don't want to say it's a pressure and I don't want to say it's a negative thing it's a positive thing we're in a powerful position right here and right now to be able to influence and ensure that the next generation keeps on this I've used the word trajectory a couple of times but that's that's what it feels like I felt myself getting quite emotional watching the game just for feeling like so proud that like wow I didn't think that I would see scenes like that you know within this decade you know what I mean like the scale of it and the passion as Amy says you know for for young girls thinking that things like this are possible Absolutely. I think it's one thing that I definitely noticed. It's almost like, I'm not necessarily sure if I feel a pressure because I I actually think that the change has already happened. We did a tournament for, basically it was for teams outside of London in St George's Park. It was a couple of weeks ago now. But we had under-14s teams and there was this one team who'd come from Lincoln and like I can't get them out of my head. They were all sort of 13, 14 and they were walking around like St George's Park with like just so much swagger, so much confidence. And they were like, they were with their entire like group of girls and they were not going to be scared of anyone no one like organizing the tournament no one like from tfg no one from (laughs) they were just sort of like no what like we're here and i just i can't get them out of my head i can't get like lincoln i think they're called lincoln town fc how do we keep getting that confidence how do we instill that swag i love that word into our female footballers i think just giving them the power i think as well to you know to sort of be a part of these experiences just to give them the confidence to keep on playing and i think just sort of opening up opportunities everywhere that you can just to give these like young girls place to play i actually think it might happen like almost organically anyway they will get to a point where there are just so many young girls playing football in this country like why how how would they ever feel out of place because there's too many of them (laughs) let's hope so yeah Okay, well, it is time now on the podcast. We're going to ask you guys for your hot takes. We do this on every single episode. So firstly, Amy, what's your hot take on this summer's Euros? Um, I don't think it's necessarily new, but I genuinely think this is going to be the best one we've ever seen. I think there's going to be so many pubs putting it on. There's going to be so many people getting involved. And, you know, more is more, really. I think that's something that I think is going to be really um, important for this Euros. Like, the more that we can get it on in screens, the more that we can get young girls to be watching games, the more that we can be getting people that have never considered watching women's football, I think we're going to be able to do that. So I think it's going to be a, yeah, I think it's going to be a cracking tournament. What about you, Trisha? What's your hot take on this summer's tournament? Um, yeah, I would agree with Amy. Visibility, which is the thing that we've we've all been working towards. So it's great having platforms that will be streaming it for free, the choice of stadiums to go to. So I think it's really nice, you know, like being able to have like a little day out and go and see a new city and also how all the cities are sort of bounding together, you know, doing street parties, bunting, you know, like really, really getting behind the game. So that would be my hot take, yeah. Okay, that one was a bit easy. I'm going to make it tougher. (laughs) Hot take. 
on which player is going to shine this summer? Who should we be looking out for, Amy? I think my player to watch is Ada Hegerberg, because obviously it's the first time that she's been playing in a national uh, tournament for a long time. And good Lord, she she is on fire. Excellent pronunciation. I and got it. added yes. bonus points as well for probably having a mouthful of mango while you did that. Yeah. Um, Trisha. Who's going to be your standout player? Maybe someone that we wouldn't expect or are you going to go for someone similar? I would go for Diana Silva from Portugal and also because we haven't re- we don't really see Portugal mm-hmm. as the you know as the favorites. They're not being they talked are, about much, are as, they? Yeah. So I do think like yeah, it's more about maybe the teams that aren't being spoken that mm-hmm. come could come through as the um as the underdogs hot take on football communities oh god i could talk about this for absolutely hours i think football communities are vital and i think they they you know they provide so much solace for all different people for me like it's always important that communities are able to cope with transient lives so it's almost like creating something that you don't feel like you need to be a part of all the time but they're just spaces for you to be able to pop in and out of as and when you feel like you you know you need some support no that makes total sense it's basically there's not a pressure to be communicating and interacting with that football community all the time it's a wider bigger thing that is a longer term thing what about you trish have you got a hot take on a football on the football communities or perhaps something we don't know about football communities having care in the in the center of communities is super important um looking out for one another and also if you can't help someone out directly it's sort of like linking all these other bits and sort of not not harboring the wealth it's it's quite easy when it becomes you know when you when you start becoming popular to be quite self-centered with it and not actually share the love but that's the complete opposite of what a community stands for you know this is supposed to be the the space that anybody from all walks of life can sort of like find a little pocket in there and at some point or another so yeah I think having having care and integrity at the center of any community is 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 my hot take okay well we started this podcast with food so let's end it with your hot takes on food let's talk about football food the ultimate football snack it's got to be a pie isn't it <laughs> it has it's got isn't to it? be a pie. Same for you, Trish. Yeah, it's 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 just easy, isn't it? And you can kind of and it's the the range, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Best football pie you've had? Um, they do a really good one at the King Power actually, which is a chicken bolty pie, which doesn't sound like it should <gasps> be in a pie. I've had that. I've had that. It's really good. It's banging. So I'd say that one. Yeah, push the boat out. A bit exotic. Well, guys, thank you so much for being with us. Not only have you chatted to me for ages, you've also managed to eat half your breakfast without cutlery and you've then managed to crunch very quietly. So thank you for being with us. Enjoy the rest of your days. This has been Hot Takes and we'll be back again very soon. <laughs>